Introduction. Why write a book on creativity and music? There's a constant discussion going on in every circle of the internet, as well as the bars and clubs across the world, about why our record fails to live up to expectations. Why is this record not as good as their last one? This record should have been the same as their first. They've been making the same record forever. I like the demo better. When looking at the creative process from the outside, most fans don't understand why the musicians they love can't see what's so clear to them. Make the album the fans want. It seems so obvious to them what the musicians should do. What they don't understand is these musicians aren't making their decisions based on cash grabs, trend jumping, phoning it in, or the other assumptions commonly made by fans. While these are the common assumptions, the reason an album's vision succeeds or falls flat are much more practical. Contrary to what's usually discussed, these pitfalls stem from musicians' lack of knowledge about what they should be doing to make music that both they and their fans want to hear. There's a treacherous path of decisions, ego checks, bad advice, and skills that plague musicians when they try to make a great record. To get through it, they need extensive consideration of these plagues, along with a resilient drive to authentically express what they feel. While modern technology has given musicians the most amazing tools to make music with, no one tool can show them how to consistently release great album after great album. Instead, they stumble into sophomore slumps, aka making a disappointing second record, or inauthentic career-killing records that alienate fans. This book exists to fill a void of mentorship. Look no further than the ramblings of countless music business veterans over the past 15 years on how the music business no longer develops artists. For the uninitiated, from the 70s through the 90s, musicians that had the potential to develop into a great artist were signed to big-budget record deals. The hope was they'd eventually make a great record after learning a few lessons from recording some lackluster early albums. It was expected that on their first albums, they'd be finding their sound, yielding a small fan base, and hopefully, by their third or fourth record, they'd become a creative force with a large fan base that would justify the early investment. David Bowie, Kate Bush, Fleetwood Mac, Bruce Springsteen, and The Who are all legendary acts whose early records fell on deaf ears, but their label kept investing in them until they became the classic artists we know today. Today, this nurturing comes in the form of indie labels. However, the idea that musicians can receive a consistent paycheck that would enable them to devote their full attention to this artistic growth is nearly extinct, as few indie artists are cash-flush enough to forgo a day job. The importance of this artistic development has been abandoned after years of humility-lacking record label executives, a.k.a. A&R, continually being confused when an artist gains success, yet they fail to resonate with the A&R's old jaded ears. After all, if they don't understand how a musician got popular, it all must be luck. Not really. We all have different emotional needs we look to comfort with music. Instead of acknowledging that it's impossible to have universal taste that understands what's emotionally appealing about every artist, this lack of humility leads A&R to only sign quote-unquote sure things that need minimal development to recoup an investment. This turns record labels into banks with a marketing department instead of patrons of creative mentorship, polluting the music business with a practice that rarely yields lasting artists and places favor on short-term investments. While some of the best music is being made today, the ability for musicians to sustain their creativity has suffered. Since this mentorship has declined over the past two decades, the decisions of A&R, management, and artists are commonly based off poorly thought-out assumptions instead of research and practices that develop great music. While researching this book, I witnessed countless records fall short of their expectations. I was able to trace back these failures to a belief in a few creative, quote-unquote, wives' tales that, had they been assessed properly, would have led to a much better record.
Due to the lack of investment from labels, the responsibility to seek out mentors who can guide musicians to avoid creative downfalls is placed solely on the artist and their management. Today, this mentorship is typically done by studying the endless amount of articles, documentaries, and sound bites that litter the web. While the internet has brought a vast democratization of music, the knowledge of how to make good creative decisions is kept behind closed doors or spills out in so many sparse sources that loopholes in this knowledge are inevitable. While nearly every musician greatly values creativity, they do little to no research on how to do it effectively. They want a highly creative result, but have little know-how of how to gain one, outside of taking in small pieces of advice while imitating stories that they've heard of those they admire.